thoughts written down, and I have no idea what the sermon was about at the end of it. Um, I also like to look over at other people while they're taking notes, try to see what they're what they're getting out of it. Sometimes you wonder if they're listening to the same sermon you are. But uh, but it's important either way to stay engaged, right? Stay engaged, stay stay focused, draw on the Holy Spirit. You know, it's 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 uh, your body language actually can really contribute to what you absorb and what what really the Lord's able to draw out of a person that's speaking. And uh, you know, if you're slouched back in your chair and you got your arms crossed, it's uh, it's it's sometimes hard to draw on. The, the anointing of the Spirit. So, uh, this, yeah, we're not here to entertain, free entertainment. If you want that, you can go to Walmart. Um, <laughs> hey, you know, God loves people so much, He even loves the people of Walmart. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> if you don't know what that is, don't Google it. Don't Google it. <laughs> yeah, don't go at 2 a.m. either. Um, so, have you ever been stuck in a rut before? Have you ever been stuck repeating the same thing that you know is a destructive habit? And in the middle of it, you, you know you're, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And I think we've all been there. You know you're not doing what you're supposed to do, but you kind of feel powerless. Um, and we've all been there. I'd, I'd be lying if I said that that I've never been there, um, and we, something that we've all dealt with before. Oh, my voice is changing. This is weird. <laughs> so, you know, um, what we what we need is really complete, just deliverance from the bondage. Well, that's what we need, and and how we go about that determines whether we get it it determines whether we get free from that bondage of just going over and over in the same habits and i really believe that the lord put this on my heart for tonight I, i'm i know that there's people out there that are dealing with some issues where you just say you know i i can't can't do it anymore i just keep repeating the same process and i'm just stuck and i need free i need freedom and there's a right way and a wrong way to go about it. Um, there's, a, there's this TV show that used to be on the air, and I used to walk it, watch it before I was saved. It's called Mad TV. Who's ever heard of Mad TV? Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't endorse the show by any means. But there is a skit on there that's clean that's, that's pretty hilarious. It's got Bob Newhart in it. And uh, he does life coaching, life coaching. And it's just hilarious. And there's this lady that comes in, and she is uh, dealing with issues in life. And, and she goes to Bob, and he's, a, uh, he's sitting there, and he's like, I want to be up front with, my, with how the pay works. You know, the first five minutes is five bucks, and then it's, it, everything after that's free. And she's like, oh, that's, that's awesome. That's great. And he says, you know, there's, there's no refunds. Um, and uh, no one's ever made it past five minutes before. And, and she's like, oh, that's, that's interesting. And he says, well, okay, go. And he looks at his, his watch, and uh, she goes, go what? And uh, he says, well, tell me what's going on. What's your problem? Uh, what are you dealing with? And, he, and she goes, well, you know, I just have this fear, this anxiety 
uh, of getting buried alive in a box. And, and he's like, oh, that sounds horrible. She's like, yeah, and I just, I think about it all the time, and it's really hindering my life. It's just this constant fear that I deal with. And he goes, well, you know, has anyone ever tried to, tried to put you in a box before and try to bury you alive? She goes, well, well no, but I just, I just have this fear that, some, that it might happen. And uh, he says, well, I got uh, some advice for you. It's two words, and uh, are you ready for it? She's like, well, let me, let me write it down. And he's like, oh, you can write it down. It's only two words. And she's like, okay. And he's like, are you ready for it? And he says, stop it. It's really loud in her face. Stop it. She's like, well, what do you mean just, just stop it? Just stop it. Stop thinking about being buried alive in a box. It's got to be horrible thinking about that all day. <laughs> no one wants to be buried alive in a box, so stop thinking about it. And she goes, well, okay. And he's like, well, is there anything else? <laughs> and uh, he says, actually, it's only been three minutes. You can, it's only a $3 charge. And uh, anyway, he goes on and she keeps bringing up all these issues. And he's, his advice every time is, stop it. And uh, it's so, so funny. But I, I think so many times, um, you know, as... As uh, the world thinks, is it's all about willpower, right? It's all about willpower. I just need to muster up the strength to conquer this issue. I need to, I need to just overcome by, I need to make that decision and just go for it. And um, how many know that uh, that's kind of like the Old Testament? It's kind of like the Old Covenant, right? Every time that he would, that he was saying, "Stop it!" I was just thinking about the Old Covenant, because it would say, don't steal. And, uh, and then, you know, you'd be like, well, well, I, I just want to steal. I don't know why. Well, stop coveting then. And, well, I don't know how to stop coveting. And, you know, it didn't give you the power, right? It didn't give you the power to change. It didn't give you the power to overcome. It just told you the right and the wrong, and it condemned you if you were, if you were breaking the law. So, um, I'm going to just be a little vulnerable, as, as uh, Mac puts it. Just a moment of vulnerability. Uh, so, before I uh, received the Lord, back before I was saved, uh, I wasn't, wasn't a very good person. I wasn't very smart either. And I got into a bunch of stuff that I shouldn't have been getting into. Um, I was actually... Um, dealing marijuana and I was doing marijuana and I was a binge drinker and I was uh, partying a lot and I was doing a bunch of things that uh, you can imagine goes along with that lifestyle Uh, and I had turned my back on God in some younger years and at at 21 I began to realize that you know I knew what I was doing was wrong and deep down inside but I had deceived myself I'd said, well, it's, you know, it's okay. It's okay because everyone else is doing it. Everyone, you know, that's, that's the world I live in, right? And, and deep down inside, though, I knew something was wrong. And then I came into a situation where it was a big deal. Like there was a, a, a friend of mine who, I, um, who I, was my best friend, actually. And his wife, I, I got to know them pretty well. And I actually started 
having feelings for his wife. And I knew this was going to destroy our relationship with my best friend. And uh, I didn't know what to do. And uh, I was like, okay, am I this person that's going to be a homewrecker? Or I'm going to just ditch my friend, right? And those are the two options in my head. That's all I could figure out. Uh, and I knew it was going to be a painful time. I was, it was, it was the, uh, the bottom of the pit, so to speak. And I just decided, you know what? I, I don't have any other options. I don't know what to do. And I just said, God, is this who I am? And when I, when I said that, he answered me. And he answered me so profoundly that it's changed my life from, from that moment on. He said, remember what I told you. And it was just like a booming voice inside. It wasn't an outside voice, but I knew it didn't come from me. And as soon as he said that, I was actually taken back to when I was 12 years old. And I was at a church that I grew up in in Oregon. And uh, it was a similar church to, to like this one. And uh, it was on a similar kind of setting as this, a believers meeting sort of. And the pastor called me up in front of the congregation and said, I have a word for you. And he put his hand on my head. And, I'm, and now that I'm, I'm 21 and I'm reliving this, and I was 12 years old when this originally happened. I had never thought about this moment since. And he just began to speak over me and say, uh, as saying as, on, as from the Lord, I have a plan and a purpose for your life. I have a calling on you, and I've separated you unto myself. And I just, I remember those words like he said them yesterday. And then all of a sudden it was like, I was, I, I, I was like, am I crazy? Or is I'm, am I really talking to God right now? And I said, you know, God, I got you on the phone. I have some questions. And uh, one of the questions that I, that I asked him was, God, you know, what, what, what about this situation that I'm in? What, what's going on with, with my, you know, my friend's best friend's wife? What, what's that about? And he just told me, he said, you know, she's my gift to him. And as soon as he said that, like all the feelings that were actually just lust and were just, it, they all just left me. It was just an instant. I didn't even find her attractive after that. And I was just set free. And I was out of that situation completely. And so many other things in that, that night happened where I just began having a real conversation with God for the first time in my life. And, uh, you know, I went and asked him, okay, what's my calling? What's my purpose? What do you want me to do? And actually at the time, I, when he answered this question, I actually thought he was kind of putting me off. I actually thought he was kind of just like, yeah, I'll tell you later. But thinking, but now that I know what I know, he actually told me the exact answer to the question, and it was so profound. He said, spend time with me. And I think we miss that. Like, that is our main purpose, and it is our main calling to fellowship with the Father. There's nothing else besides that that's above that calling, above that purpose. Everything flows from that. Ministry flows from that. It doesn't, doesn't happen because of ministry. That's, that's our main purpose. That's why he put Adam and Eve on the earth to begin with. He wanted fellowship. And, uh, and basically, I began to just do what he said, right? I just hung out with him. And um, at the time, I am completely surrounded by people who are in my old lifestyle. I don't have any Christian friends whatsoever. Um, I'm not really hanging around my family at all. 
And so I just begin to uh, enjoy the presence of the Lord in the midst of crazy sin going on around me. And, um, you know, I, w- I would like to say that instantly I just stopped doing everything, but that's not how it worked for me. You know, over the next couple weeks, he began to, uh, as I was partying still, I was still talking with him. It's funny how the Lord just doesn't leave, right? You know, he doesn't just leave. He's still talking with me. And I, I say, or, you know, one, one night a mom went to a party and he goes, you know, why? He just asked me this question. And he, he usually asks me, just asks me questions. He says, you know, why are you drinking? And, and I didn't feel, when he said that, I, I felt no condemnation. I didn't feel guilty. I just really started to look inside myself and ask why. Why, why was I doing that? Because now I started getting fulfillment and my satisfaction from God. And, uh, and now I didn't need it anymore, right? I didn't need to have that drunkenness feeling. And he just began to do that with everything, right? So he did that with, with uh, smoking weed. Why, why, why are you smoking? He would just ask me. And I'd be like, well, I guess it's pretty stupid, isn't it? And, and in my head, that's what the conclusion that I came from. And, you know, I had all my friends around me. And here I am, this, the, I'm known as the party animal. I'm known as the hookup for weed. And, and that's, what I'm, that's what I'm known at in my circle. And all of a sudden, I'm done with it all. And they tell that I'm different. Um, and they're asking me, we know, why aren't you drinking? Why aren't, why, aren't you, why aren't you smoking with us anymore? And, and I just said, you know, I, I don't really know other than I just don't want to. I just don't want to. I have no desire to do it. And uh, it really led me to be able to talk with people and share with them what had happened to me. But I was such a baby in the Lord that I didn't know how to share the gospel or anything. So um, a lot of them are, are doing much better. But um, anyway, the Lord began to weed out things in my life. And he began to, he began to change me. And he began to, the rut that I was in and the sin that I was in, I was set free from it. I didn't just willpower it up. And I can honestly say that I didn't even try. I didn't even try to stop. It wasn't effort. It was pretty much effortless. And, uh, and I just, you know, any time that we're dealing with something, any time that we're dealing with, with an issue like that, it's, it can be effortless change. It really can be. It can, and I say effortless, effortless. It's not effortless in, this, in that we, there's still something we have to step up and do, but it's not force ourselves to change, right? It's force ourselves to put the flesh down and go to the Father. And if we can do that consistently over and over and over, then, then we're going to be good. We're going to conquer those things. So um, ways you can stay in a rut. Ways you can stay in a rut. You know, condemnation and guilt will keep you there. It'll keep you going back to the reason of why you, uh, you're guilty and why you're condemned. You'll just keep repeating that cycle, guilt and condemnation. And, you know, when I came back to the Lord, he showed me mercy. And I, and I knew that the Lord didn't condemn me. And I didn't figure out why till later um, when I was reading through his word and figured out why is there no condemnation? Why didn't he condemn me? Why didn't he spite me right there because I was so deserving of it? I knew when, when he spoke to me that it was nothing that I deserved. 
because I knew I wasn't doing right. I knew I wasn't um, doing well with what he had given me. And uh, so I found it, uh, 1 Corinthians 10. Go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles. 1 Corinthians 10. First Corinthians ten twenty three. I see some people in the front row are there. It says this All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. So God began to show me through a fatherly loving way that what I was doing wasn't very helpful. And that's what sin will do is it's just not very helpful. It will actually destroy your life. But is it is are you breaking the law when you sin? Are you breaking God's law? Well, um, we're not under the old covenant anymore. We've been taken out of the old covenant and we've been placed into the new covenant of grace and mercy. And uh, Jesus satisfied all the requirements of the law. He satisfied them once and for all. And we're no longer under that law of sin and death, as the Bible calls it. And uh, you can read all about it. I won't, I'm not going to go into that uh, other than just give you where to go. Romans 7 and 8, chapter 7 and 8. If you want more into that, go slowly study Romans 7 and 8. You'll see that you've been set free from sin and death and the law that puts you under condemnation. Um, so... Beating yourself up too, just just going through um, just self mutilation over things that you've done wrong. You know, you're really what you're really doing is telling God that what Jesus did wasn't enough, and just let that soak in and beat yourself up for it later. But that's really what you're doing is you're telling God, now what you did for me wasn't enough, and the truth is, is it was, and and it solved everything. He's no longer angry. He's no longer mad. Uh, he doesn't beat us over with over the head with a stick because we make mistakes or we or we do something we know we're not supposed to. Uh, but there is a devil, and he does want to beat you over the head with a stick. And sin really opens the door to him. And in Romans seven, it does talk about how you are slaves under whom to under whom you obey. So if you're obeying the enemy, which sin is obeying the enemy, then you're really allowing yourself to be a slave of him and he's able to come in and knock you over the head. Um, and so condemnation, uh, it's, a, it's a huge uh, hindrance. It's a hindrance from getting free. But it's not the only thing, right? So it's not, uh, it's not the only way to just say, oh, I'm not condemned, therefore I'm free of this sin. That's not the only thing because there are tons of people, I'll, I'll say Christians, who say, oh, I'm not condemned of sin, and they continue in it, and they actually use God's mercy as an excuse to continue in their bad behavior that's destructive. And uh, so just saying I'm not condemned doesn't necessarily mean that you're set free of it. Uh, there's, a, there's some other aspects to it. So um, the root of the problem, the root of the problem, it's... It's not the behavior, right? It's not, it's not that you're the, you going over in this cycle of, of bad behavior and I'm going to 
conquer it. I'm going to man up. I'm going to do what it takes to, to, to walk out of it. And then falling again, uh, that's, that's not the problem. What the problem is, the real root problem, is desire. Your desire. So um, I'll say that again because it's really profound. The problem is not your sin or your behavior. The problem is your desire. So that's profound if you can grasp that. So um, the truth is you're going to do what you desire to do. Uh, when I was set free from all the sin, when I was younger, and um, God completely removed it from my life, uh, it was effortless, like I said. And I, it was because the desires of my heart had changed. And it wasn't, it wasn't me mustering up, trying to stop something I really felt like I wanted to do. It was I genuinely had no desire to do those things anymore. And that only, that only happened because of a desire change. Complete transfer of desire. So, um, spending time with Him. Spending time with Him. You know, tell me how we can spend time with Him. Someone who is so holy, so righteous, yet so loving and so merciful, and still have an evil desire in our heart. It can't happen. You can't be in the presence of the Lord continuously and that desire stay there. It's just not possible. It's just expunged in His presence and it's just changed inside of us as we're there. So uh, one of the things the Lord taught me early on was the, the power of fellowship. The power of fellowship. And, I'm, and again, it goes back to what He was saying. Uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15.33. 1 Corinthians 15.33. Just a short, sweet little verse there. But so profound. So profound. I'm just showing you how this power of uh, fellowship is actually a biblical principle. And, um, and it can change your life. It says this, 1 Corinthians 15.33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. So... As you can see, evil company corrupts good habits. So what would good company corrupt? It would corrupt some, some bad habits, right? So uh, Proverbs 13.20, I'll just say, you don't have to turn there. Uh, all you note takers can just write it down. Proverbs 13.20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. So you can start seeing that, you know, you want to be wise, you want wisdom, start hanging out, start fellowshipping with those who are wise, stop hanging out with the fools, and you're going to start seeing yourself change. Now this, this uh, uh, concept or this principle of fellowship, it applies to so many different areas in life. It can apply to your friendships, it can apply to your marriage. It can apply to your family, but it, it can really apply to God, right? Your relationship with God. And that's just how we're designed to be. We're not designed to uh, get saved, come to the Lord, and then now it's just like our second chance and we get to redo everything, except hopefully we do it better this time. That's not how it works. We're now designed to literally be transformed by Him by looking upon Him. 
And when we look upon Him, which is spending time with Him, it's talking to Him, it's being in His Word, it's, it's, it's not just um, you know, your daily prayer time where you're separated unto Him, but it's also throughout the day. It's also right now. You know, your awareness of Him with you, it will change, it, it'll start changing the way that you act. It'll change the way that you see yourself, which is the biggest hindrance. It'll start changing the way you see yourself, which then will produce the change that you're desiring. So, um, it's just a biblical truth. You are you who you hang out with. Um, and it's it's uh, it was so profound when I got that, because... I could just, I don't have to try Christianity, right? We're not, we're not trying Christianity. We're not putting Christianity on. Uh, no, that's, all we have to do is spend time with the Father, and we become just like Jesus as far as our actions. Now inside, in our spirit, who we really are, when we're born again, that's who we become. It says in the Bible, it's flat out, it's plain speech, that in uh, in this world, in this world, we are as Jesus is. That means that on the inside of us, we're a hundred percent. When you're born again, you're a hundred percent just like Jesus. You're you're nothing lacking of of what He was on the earth. You're nothing lacking of what He is. So, how do we get that to come out? And I'm telling you, it doesn't happen by willpower. It doesn't happen because you decided to. It doesn't happen because you want to. It happens by taking the step to have your desires changed by being in the presence of the Father. And, and it, can be, it can be something that you have to discipline yourself for, right? So it might take just a little bit of willpower to discipline yourself to get to his presence. But when you get there, it's like a, it's like a snowball effect. You just want more and you can't get enough. And it's, you, you notice how good it is and the, the changes inside of you. You just want more. So, uh, like the song says, a lover of his presence. And, and as, that, as you begin to, to be in that presence, that's, that's really all you want to be. Um, so, not too long ago, I found myself getting into a r- routine of destructive behavior. And, I, um, and it was more of a, uh, some things that I needed to change with, um, with being... Uh, what's the word? Uh, I was procrastinating a lot of things that I knew I shouldn't be. And so I just said to myself, you know what? I'm going to man up and I'm going to stop this procrastinating. I know it's wrong. I know it's not what God wants for me. I know it's not him working through me and I'm going to change it. And I failed. And then I failed some more after I made the commitment again. And uh, And then I just something really profound i started praying right i said i said god why is this so hard and uh, he answered me how he usually answers me which is with a question and he said uh well how did you change the first time and it's like right when he said it i just knew inside of me that i just needed to spend more time with him and that was the, that was really the the underlying issue for me being a procrastinator is I just didn't have his character in that area. I didn't have his character in that area, and so I need I needed to just spend time with him and go fellowship with the Lord and have it have that desire for procrastinating is really what it was 
I need to have it removed. And and that's when I received victory. That's when I started being, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm now ahead of the game. So there is victory in, in what I'm saying, and I've seen it come out in my life multiple times. And when I've gone away and tried another method, uh, it just doesn't work. It does, not, none of it works. And it's not supposed to. It's not supposed to. We're supposed to be 100% reliant upon him. I mean, think about it. Jesus was 100% reliant upon him when he walked the earth, right? I only, see, I only say what I hear the Father speak, and I only do what I hear the Father do. That's Jesus. So he's constant communication with the Lord. He's always leaning on him for what he needs. For, for you know, I don't think Jesus ever needed to change. Um, but he didn't need to because he's always with the Lord. And he's always spending that time. So he had, the Bible says that he was the perfect image of the Father. The perfect image. And that's because he was with the Father all the time. And everything that he said, everything he did, came from the Father. So the answer is always fellowship. Fellowship with him. That's the answer. If, you, if you're needing a breakthrough, if you're needing uh, to, to just end a rut that you're in of, of, of behavior that's you know is wrong, even if it's something small, maybe it's something big, right? Maybe, you, maybe you're an alcoholic. Maybe uh, you, know, you're, you have anger issues, and you have serious anger issues, and those flare up. Maybe you have some other form of addiction. Um, the, there, there's no... Uh, do you guys know what the percentages of the world's 12-step program is for, for addicts? It's so low, it's not even funny. And I can guarantee you, if you actually apply this, any addict that actually applies this, I guarantee you it's 100%. It's 100%. I can, I'll, I'll stake my, my integrity, I'll stake my life on it, because it's the word of God. So he will begin to change you. He will begin to change that desire to, to have that addiction, to have that uh, issue, whatever it is, that behavior. He can remove that from you. And it's just go spend time with him. And, you know, it's, uh, you, ha- you have to realize that the Father, uh, what his character is. His character uh, is love. That's who he is. That's his DNA, right? It's, his, it's love. And if you don't know that and you don't have that settled in your heart, you're going to be hesitant to, to go to him. You're going to be hesitant to go to him. Just, I want you right now to settle in your heart. He's perfect love. You know, the Bible says, Hebrews 4.16, it says that we can come boldly into the throne room of grace, boldly into the throne room of grace to find mercy and grace in time of need. So, boldly, that's how we approach God. If you're, if you're a born-again believer, you can approach the throne of God boldly. And that's what we're expected to do. Now, why? Is it because... You're, you're bold because you did everything you were supposed to do that day, right? You, you didn't cuss. You, you, you did um, some good deeds. Uh, you, you told maybe someone the gospel, and now I can go boldly to the throne. doesn't work that way. That's not the reason. It's saying in time of need, if you're dealing with sin, that's the time of need that you need to go to the throne. And we do it boldly because it's the blood of Jesus that's blotted out our sins. It's washed them away. 
He's cast him into the sea of forgetfulness. So now we can go boldly into his throne room. And that's how we approach the Lord now. And, and it's, it's so easy when you're in that pit to, to not want to, to not want to go to him. Because there could be a sort of a hesitancy. Um, you, the reason is you just don't know him. You don't know who he is. He is love. He is love and he just, he just wants us, right? He just wants fellowship with us. It's the whole reason he created you. He's not going to cast you out because of something you did wrong. I can tell you firsthand, I deserved it. I deserved to be cast away from him. And he just showed me mercy and he showed me love and grace. Um, so why don't we, well, I, I, I was really praying about it and uh, I feel like there's some people and I don't know how many, uh, but you might be dealing with something. And I, I think we should take care of it. And we need to go to that throne room of grace right now. And we need to lay it down. And we need to get set free of it. We need to get set free of it once and for all. And we need to go to him. And he's going to just take that desire and pluck it out of you. I, I can attest it can be that fast. It can be that fast. There is hope. Uh, all those desires that I had, the, the wrong desires of lustful thoughts, I just, I just remember being like, this is... I, because before being with the Father, I had no hope. I didn't have a hope. I thought I was just in a, a horrible uh, place, and He completely just set me free of it in an instant. And I was literally up that whole night just laughing. I was just in the presence of the Lord, and I was just laughing with Him. And I was it was it was just an amazing time because I knew I had just been set free, and I knew I had a real relationship with the Father. Uh, so I want to invite you. Now, no one can take you to the throne room. I can't grab your hand and take you. Uh, you have to go. And there could be someone sitting next to you that they go, and you're wondering why you didn't. Uh, it's because of faith, right? So everything that we do, entering in the throne room boldly, it takes a step of faith to do it. It takes a step of faith. Now, Faith is bold, and a lot of times it helps if there is action to to correlate your faith. Right? You know, when we when we if you need uh, faith for finances, a lot of times your faith is released by action. That could be giving. That could be you know something something else um, with with healing. Uh, everyone who got. A lot of people who got, not, I won't say everyone, because it's not everyone, but a lot of people who were healed by Jesus were healed when they took a step of faith, right? Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. And as the man stretched forth his hand, it became whole, who was, had a crippled hand. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a step of faith. So I want everyone to stand up. I want everyone to stand up. And we're going to enter into his presence, and we're going to do it by faith. We're going to enter into his throne room by faith.